0: Hello, and welcome back to In Person, brought to you by Bizabo. In case we haven't already met, I'm Rachel Rappaport, and in each episode of In Person, we explore the world's most daring events and the people who make them happen. For our 50th episode, we are doing something special. For the first time since launching the podcast back in 2019, we are bringing members of the Bizabo team onto the show. Typically, we value sharing perspectives from outside of our company. But today is kind of a big deal. It marks the launch of our new brand identity, and more significantly, a whole new era for events, the era of event experience. What is event experience? How did we get to this point? And what does it spell out for you, your team, and the future of the industry? These are precisely the questions we will be exploring. Hosting today's discussion is VP of Global Events at Bizabo and former in-person podcast guest, Devin Cleary. Joining Devin is Bizbo's co-founder and CEO, Aaron Ben Shushan, and our VP of Account Management, Megan Murphy. Between the three of them, Devin, Megan, and Iran bring many years of events industry experience to the table. If you listen to our in-person podcast interview with Devin back from his time at PTC, then you may already be familiar with his trajectory from working in agencies to being a ground floor member of the HubSpot inbound team to leading event programs at the Red Cross and PTC before ending up at Bizabo. Before joining Bizabo, Megan's career spans the event technology, large events, and corporate meeting segment of the industry over the past 15 plus years. She was most recently VP of Digital Sales and Partnerships at The Freeman Company, prior to that had a long tenure at American Express meetings and events in various roles, including account management and leadership. Iran began his career in the Israeli Air Force, serving as an officer for nine years. He's formerly the CEO of an event production company and graduated cum laude from the Zelt Entrepreneurship Program. He's been named a Top 50 SaaS CEO for three years by the Software Report, and together with his co-founders Boaz and Alon, has led Bizabo to become one of the world's leading event software companies. A quick plug, if you're interested in learning more about the category and vision, join us on November 16th at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Again, that's November 16th, 10 a.m. Eastern for our event, the future of event experience. You can RSVP at events.bizabo.com slash event Let's get to it. Here's Iran, Megan, and our special guest host for today, Devin Cleary.
1: Welcome to a very special episode of the in-person podcast where we'll be exploring the rise of event experience management. My name is Devin Cleary. I'm the VP of global events at Bizabo. And today I am so energized to be joined by Bizabo CEO and co-founder Aran Ben Shashan, along with our VP of account management, Megan Murphy for today's discussion. Today marks our 50th episode for the in-person podcast, a show which I have had the privilege of being a featured guest speaker during my tenure at PTC. And now I have the honor of hosting alongside my amazing colleagues. But today also marks the launch of Bizabo's exciting new brand identity, and more importantly, the launch of a whole new category of event technology, jumpstarting a new era for event leaders worldwide. So let's dive deeper into the origins of this new category and address three key areas with my special guests. Number one, how is an experience-first strategy changing the way organizers produce events and how attendees or sponsors participate in them? How technology is changing to meet the needs is number two. And three, what skills do event leaders need to have in order to drive successful experiences in today's hybrid world? But first, let's start with the why. Bizabo had the foresight to migrate away from event management to event experience. In doing so, we are taking a stance that event organizers should really rethink the terms and embrace transformational experiences as they prioritize event strategy, outcomes, and event design. So with that in mind, Aran, I'd love to start with you today and welcome to our amazing podcast. I want to ask you, what inspired Bizabo to really lead this category and why now? Yeah, thanks,
2: Devin, and I'm really super excited to be part of this 50th podcast. The mission of Bizabo for forever has been to unleash the power of professional events to create impactful and rewarding experiences. This is the essence of the organization. This is why we exist. This is our purpose. And, you know, we realize that in today's world, the old way of doing event management is simply not going to get us there. And, and when you realize that, you really have to ask yourself, what are you going, going to do about that? And to answer this question, I start by an important realization is that the reality we all live in today is a hybrid reality. It's a hybrid life and what i mean by that is not necessarily in the context of how we've been speaking about events in the industry since covid started in the in the context of events being either in person or remote or when they're coming together being hybrid i'm actually speaking about more of the bigger that you know things in our lives that seems very natural today for example hailing an uber or ordering groceries or connecting on social media those are hybrid experiences we no longer live in a world that is only physical or only digital we actually live in a world that is the combination and this blend this magical blend of of both of those experiences together and when done well really the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts and truly that kind of How do we create that delight in a hybrid world is a big part of the new category that we're talking about. The second important realization is the fact that we are living through the experience economy. And in essence, what the experience economy means is that companies need to think about the memorable moments that they're creating for their customers and that becomes the product. So the experience itself in today's world is the product and the journeys that those companies, those brands are able to cater to their customers become the most important thing. And the last point is that COVID has been truly the biggest disruption in the events industry, in the history of events. Mm -hmm. So when you combine those three things together, the hybrid world we live in, the experience economy, and a massive disruption like the one we're experiencing in today's world in the event industry, you realize that you truly need to take a different approach. And that realization has led us to building the, uh, this new category that we're talking about and building products in a different way and services in a different way to help our customers essentially achieve their outcomes. Wow,
1: uh, again, spot on. I could not agree more with you. I also think this uh, realization of the experience economy, you know, it has been something that has impacted our industry for so long. I would even argue to say it is one of the single greatest drivers of impact in terms of how we operate and what has influenced us to really double down on experience. Totally. And when we also think about the humans and the attendees and all the different stakeholders we engage with, We have used the experience economy to really be an opportunity to use this as social currency, to really allow people to define who they are. You know, we all want to be part of the in-crowd. And going to an event where you can feel part of a community or a tribe, that is incredibly important. And we use that expression through all the ways in which we tell people who we are, what we believe, what we stand for, and so much more. And I would even argue to say, during the pandemic, there was sort of that disconnection of if we're not going to physical experiences, we're not able to capture that in the age of Instagram, how do we really bring that to life in a virtual component? And I think Bizabo's done an exceptional job allowing our customers to bring those experiences forward and there's so much more that we're just scratching the surface with. So again, I think maybe Megan, this is where I'd love for you to also chime in. And again, thank you so much for being here today. My question is when we think about this impact, you know in what ways do you specifically have seen or currently witness the experience economy carrying over to our events industry?
3: So personalization has been the North Star for organizers for many years now. Uh, For mega events, with tens of thousands of people, the goal has been um, finding ways to create sub-communities within the giant community, which are based on personalized attributes. And for all events, regardless of size, a personalized experience equals a more memorable experience, which drives loyalty. So as you mentioned, personalization has become an expectation in all facets of our lives. As the world has become more digital, data has enabled many industries to offer personalization. The reality is that the events industry is not one that has made great strides around personalization and the availability of data has been our largest barrier. So the seismic shift that our industry went through in 2020 forced all of us online and as a result, it opened up accessibility to data that we did not used to have. So the future is really gonna be shaped by how well we can leverage that data to bring to, to bring the level of a curated experience to events that we've all become accustomed to in our personal lives. Um, and I think the final horizon is really gonna be getting better visibility to the data that happens during the event. That has typically been a bit of a blind spot once the attendee Mm -hmm. hits the floor. It's really hard to capture um, behavioral data. So we've really nailed it through the shift to virtual. We got much more insight into behaviors and, and kind of where people are going and what they're interested in. Now we need to tackle kind of that final gap in visibility, which is what happens on site, and bring it all together into a holistic picture.
1: One of the key benefits I see, even with both of the responses and some of the insights you both just shared, is from this approach around experience first, prioritization or strategy, it finally allows us to address the elephant in the room, the event impact gap. For all of you at home and all of you listeners, I'm sure you're sort of shaking your heads right now and can kind of agree. At Bizabo, we have coined a term, this event impact gap. And what that really means, it is the gap between what event organizers are hoping to achieve and what they are actually empowered and able to do uh, with the right technology, skill sets, and know-how. Megan, back to you. And something that I would love to tap into is you bring a wealth of knowledge and experience from your days working with AmexGBT, Freeman, and how have you uh, observed or seen firsthand yourself uh, organizers really struggling with this gap?
3: This is definitely a hot button um, <laughs> in, the, in the industry. Um, so again, one of the biggest challenges, just going back to my point a moment ago, data is has historically been a challenge. There is a lot of it, but it's often coming from disparate sources. And it's really difficult to correlate all that data across the entire event ecosystem, which means we're lacking, we have been historically lacking real insights that can drive event improvement, Um, and and it means that data needs to be served up in a meaningful way that will put organizers in the driver's seat and not be giving them one more thing to do um, because Resources have become very constrained, especially in the last year and a half. So I think when you take, um, you know, teams that have been spread very thin, the fact that um, teams are being asked to do more. Mm-hmm. Now they're planning virtual events, which last year most everyone was doing for the very first time. Now we're planning hybrid events, which are in many cases Two events happening at the same time, double the work. Um, so I think when you couple that reality with a general lack of technical expertise, you know the concept of an event technologist role did not exist really even you know five seven years ago um, because technology in our industry has come so far in the last decade. So um, in summary, here I think a successful event strategy. Um, requires that technical expertise and and planning um, that the team can really design the digital portion of the event in harmony, very important, in harmony with the physical portion. So one way to ease that burden, um, one potential option for organizers to think about, is selecting a technology partner that can serve multiple event needs. And I think possibly more importantly, is to commit to that partnership, commit to that technology on a long-term basis, Um, choose the right one up front, but then make a long-term commitment so it can truly be mastered by the organizer and their team. You know, we've seen so much jumping around in the last year and a half, especially from one technology to another, and you're really having to learn everything all over um, which is, again, very time intensive and naturally can erode the experience of, of the key stakeholders, attendees and, and sponsors. So um, I would say quality over quantity and mastering tech is, is going to be a key theme moving forward.
1: I'm going to first just raise my hand and say that (laughs) I have experienced that firsthand where we've had to leverage a significant number of tools to be able to create and piece together the ideal experience with what we are hoping to achieve, number one. Number two, one topic or issue that I would maybe bring up quickly and that I find very interesting is when you think about uh, an enterprise or a B2B level company and you think about their marketing organization, there is a slew of MarTech that they use to be able to deliver, manage, measure, and engage with their customers, their future customers, influencers, etc. It always surprises me that we treat event technology or event management technology by itself in its own classification with different prioritization, different investment levels within a business, but yet... You know, our number one channel that we execute as a marketing organization is events. So I would really ask all of you today who are listening and viewing us, to really think about how do you bridge a better story and really partner with your marketing executives to really ensure that this technology is seen at the same importance or prioritization as your traditional MarTech. Whether it's your CRM, your email marketing, this is really gonna help change the game and allow you to, again, really get the resources and the time commitment that you need to create those exceptional moments that matter. So, Aran, again, anything to also add from what Megan just talked about? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there from the technology leader and making sure that we have someone present on a team, and I know we're gonna get into some trends later on in this conversation, but any thoughts to add?
2: Yeah, first I'll start by saying that, uh, you know, thank you very much, and I think that your experience and expertise uh, are really phenomenal, and I'm super grateful to having you as a leader at Visabeau, and the reason for that is because when we partner with, with our customers, one of the biggest focus areas is how can we help them bridge this impact gap? And with people like Megan on board and people with those expertise, uh, I do believe that we can be better partners for our customers, so I'm super excited about that. So on a personal note, you know, before starting Visible, around a decade ago, I was actually a CEO of an event production company and I was an event planner myself and I remember so vividly, the complexities and the anxieties associated with running events. And, uh, uh, you know, in my view, really, event planners are heroes. You bet. Uh, and, and, you know, the struggle of the event impact gap is real and the ramifications are painful. And, you know, all of us have seen many of those studies and surveys, but one that I just ran into uh, recently by Harvard Business Review. Uh, surveying around 700 executives from different companies. And the results just hit me. 90% of them attested that events is the most important marketing channel for their brands. And at the same time, only 23% of them said that they're able to measure the impact of that channel of those events. Okay, wait, wait, 23% only. It's a big gap. 23%. It's a big gap. Uh, and, and you know, what's more is that when you're looking into the future, those are, you know, stats that we're getting for today. When you're thinking about the future, what we realize and what we see is that CMOs are actually expecting now from their teams to do more and to have that personalized touch and to have those, uh, you know, catered creative journeys and experiences. And it's just becoming more and more difficult Uh, to get there and you need the right tools to get there. So over the last year, you know, after reacting and responding to COVID, when we started looking more strategically into the horizon and the future, we realized that we need to start with a fresh mindset uh, and imagine a completely new future for what event technology
1: uh, and what event software needs to look like. Well, now that we have a high-level understanding of why now is the time for transformational experiences and the challenges that we're obviously still faced with and trying to overcome, I think it's important for our listeners and viewers that we share Bizabo's new strategic vision for what's next. So acknowledging the time that we're in, knowing the things that we're faced with, how are we gonna solve that?
2: Yes, and actually this is probably the thing I'm most excited to speak about is that we are announcing the Event Experience operating system, the Event Experience OS. You got it. You You heard this here first, folks. (laughs) and let me try to explain. Uh, What we're really trying to solve for is an industry that is a landscape that is so crowded with point solutions, so fragmented, but realizing that we need to bring all of those pieces together. Now, the idea about operating systems is that they are open and flexible, uh, and they allow you a future of choice. And when we think about the future as hybrid, we think about it's all about your choice. You want to run a virtual event, an in-person event, the mix of the two, you want to change in the middle. That's what we mean when we say the, the future of choice. And really, the Event Experience OS was built around two main themes, event orchestration and moments creation. And what that means is that we deeply appreciate the comprehensive needs associated with running events and the strong need to manage all of it using a consolidated, a streamlined, and an efficient platform. And in addition, we know very well that it's not just about running the events. right? It's all about the outcomes, and what people would get out of those events. And that's where moments creation comes into play. And when we say people, we talk about, obviously, humans, but we talk about the entire ecosystem of the people participating at events. So we're we're addressing organizers and their journeys and experiences and attendees and speakers and sponsors and exhibitors. And really, the experience is the combination of those moments and memories they gather at an event, those magical moments, if you wish, the reason we started this company uh, to begin with. And, you know, we believe that the right software can amplify and enrich those moments. And those capabilities that I'm talking about were built specifically around community creation and community activation. We think that's such a big part of events. And and not just focusing on events when they occur, rather the year-round experience. Uh, The other part of it is creating meaningful connections, maybe the most important reason people participate in events, those relationships between humans, and new ways to engage and consume content. We do believe that COVID kind of got us uh, a little bit by surprise, the the entire digital world, uh, in terms of how can we really have those tools that create true, genuine engagement that people enjoy uh, going to those virtual experiences. And we do believe there is a long way uh, and a lot of innovation that needs to be baked into how do you really engage people in a virtual or hybrid setup? So that's, that's the other main facet of the Event Experience OS. And on top of all of that, everything that we've just discussed earlier about data and personalization, really, you know, data is the the genesis and and the core of Visible and how we've always built the platform. And we're just doubling down on that approach, allowing our customers to have easier access to data and understanding the return on event, their ROE. Uh, and, And that's really something that I'm personally super excited about. And overall, all of those things, the... Uh, event orchestration, moments creation, and and having strong foundations of data is really how we think about the Event Experience OS,
1: and this is what we're announcing, and I'm so excited about that. I've never seen a technology provider or even a platform to this scale that we're addressing and sort of identifying right now that is purposefully, and again, embedding a experiential or sort of an attendee uh, moments that matter component to its offering and to these features. You know, that's going to allow organizers everywhere all over the world, in my opinion, to finally elevate beyond just, again, executing the event, which is still incredibly important. It's, it's, we still need to get our food and beverage out on time and make sure our room sets are perfect and that there's audio visual and the content is, you know, value-driven and whatnot. But that engagement factor and being able to leverage this as part of the overall. Uh, strategy and, and sort of the tool in our toolkit to uh, help people really feel something again, you know, and bring that humanization back to things. It's, it's those moments that matter. Or even allowing organizers like all of you today to really un- underscore or, or really unlock the ability to uh, teach people who they will become through the lens of these events. You know, and that's only gonna be possible with something at, to, this, to this level of sophistication, ease of use, and innovation. So did you hear that friends? I mean this is this is a this is a monumental moment yes. happening right now before your very eyes and ears. Megan, I'd love to get your reaction, you know, specifically what excites you about what Iran just shared.
3: Well, first of all, I'm currently <clears throat> one month into being a Bissobauer, and I feel very fortunate to have joined the organization at the moment we are redefining this category um, and outlining such a compelling vision for the future. So, great timing on my part. Um, but the themes of event orchestration and moments that uh, moments creation that are outlined. I want to hover for a minute on event orchestration. The concept of event design has existed for a long time, but I love the term orchestration because of where we are now. The new reality that our industry has been thrust into, which we've touched on already in the podcast, has created a world of opportunity, but also has greatly increased complexity for organizers. So event orchestration to me is event design on steroids. It is not only designing um, an in-person event that delivers on your audience's objectives and ideally wows them, but expanding your strategy planning far beyond the stakeholders that will be joining you on site. Orchestrating different audiences and different experiences is the new horizon. So maybe for for you, this looks like a single hybrid event with an in-person and a virtual audience happening either at the same time or at separate times. Or maybe this looks like a year round initiative to engage your community where the event or events become only one extra special moment in time, but are really just like a a pulse in all the ways that your community is able to connect throughout the year. So my, my piece of advice here would be think bigger about your event strategy, now's really the time to start embracing that. Um, Maintain your core objective, of course, which is typically either educating, inspiring, or connecting buyers and sellers. But begin by strategizing on how to expand that one step further. So one just tangible example of that would be, you know, if your event has typically um, been North America-centric in attendance, focus your year one strategy on attracting attendees from your second key geography and create an attendance option that presents minimal barrier to entry for this first-time population. So start small, and that strategy should naturally evolve and expand year over year.
1: So what I just heard from from you is uh, prioritize community. It is really important that we don't think about again, a moment that matter as a moment in time. It needs to extend the entire sort of experience life cycle. And and again, every brand out there, I can imagine, wants to continuously engage and build that rapport and establish a really great relationship that'll be sort of a, a lifetime partnership with that brand. And the other thing that I love about that is it really reinforces the importance of partnering with your senior stakeholders in marketing specifically and embedding events into your omni-channel. Not looking at it as an independent moment, but something that, again, either brings the community together, captures the attention of the market, and allows a company to convert that attention into business. Absolutely. And that's powerful. Yes. That's incredibly powerful. Okay, we talked about technology, we talked about where we're at in the industry, this moment in time. I'd love to maybe focus a little bit on the people side of things. So when we think about, you know, the events organization itself, changes and mobility that we've witnessed, and maybe some new talent being brought into a team over the last 12 to 18 months, and where we think it's going. So one prediction I will share is I think we're going to see a huge influx in a new title or a new role or a shared responsibility, which is the rise of the event experience leader. And maybe, Iran, to you, you know, you have such an incredible purview and talk to so many amazing organizers and hundreds of customers. I'm curious, what qualities or skills do you think are needed to truly be the experiential expert of tomorrow?
2: Yeah, first I'll say that I really share the same feeling and you know, we've seen a live, real life example uh, throughout COVID with the rise of, for example, the video production uh, skill sets and teams and agencies booming, for example, and, and we've seen that firsthand and, and the pace of change that is happening in the industry definitely uh, is is one that will create new responsibilities, new titles. And I do think that the one that speaks about the experience and designing the experience and and all of those things that you know we're speaking about uh, is gonna be the new reality. And speaking about the specific skill sets, my recommendation for any hiring uh, you know leader out there is to look for people that bring the combination of analytical and creative. And I know that's sometimes a rare kind of creature to find, but... Left uh, brain,
1: right brain. Exactly, (laughs) but
2: I do think uh, that, that those are the people that we need to focus on because I think that the ability to be analytical about the data and the journeys and understanding what's going on and what's causing certain things to happen together with that creativity that is able to... to to really build and design a unique experience for your brand. It's always about the next level of innovation. I don't want to join the same event I joined last time. I want it to be special and unique. So that combination uh, of skill sets is what I believe will make the best event experience leaders of the
1: future. Again, plus one on that. (laughs) Uh, Megan, maybe over to you. And I'd love for you maybe to share uh, or elaborate on a point that Iran just talked about.
3: Yeah, so I totally agree that analytics and creative skill sets are huge um, now and and certainly into the future. The one I would add is... I touched on this earlier, but the concept of an event technologist, Mm -hmm. if you don't already have someone on your core team who is a technology expert, who's passionate about learning, continuing to learn about all the new tech and all the new features that exist in our space because it is rapidly changing, um, go hire that person. Having that skill set in-house and or if that's not feasible for your organization, building a really trusted partnership with an innovative technology partner um, is going to be incredible. It's not going anywhere. Technology is not going anywhere. It's only going to become, will never replace events, but will only become an increasingly more important aspect and and more importantly, I think, enabler of successful events. And then just to underscore the point that Iran made about analytics, I think having a data strategy um, within your organization. So if that's feasible in-house, that's great. If not, there are so many vendors and partners who can provide that scrubbing and normalization of all of the data surrounding your event and really your whole ecosystem and and serve it up in a way that you can easily get to those insights and drive meaningful year-over-year improvement.
2: That's such a great point, point. and if I may just jump in and add to what you talked about earlier, Devin. Uh, thinking about this holistically as, as a marketing, uh, you know, budget or framework, uh, the the things that we're talking about really happen in the other uh, domains of marketing, where we have today those people that are super analytical, thinking about revenue marketing, analyzing you know every little step of uh, different campaigns and journeys. Uh, and also being creative at the same time and, and that brand aspect. So I do think that that is just the same thing and it's now accelerating and happening in events as well. So in my view, it's just a natu- natural progression of you know everything that we've experienced in marketing in the last 10, 15 years happening now in an
1: accelerated pace in events as well. Yeah, I've seen such an intersection, to your point, where we're now partnering with organizations or departments internally, like our marketing ops group. You know, that's that's more prevalent than ever. Well, you know, I really uh, appreciate us kind of diving into the people side of the house. And, uh, you know, I'd still maybe like to talk about one more prevalent topic before we move on to some fun questions for today. And, you know, Megan, for you, you know, it's not just about the rise of the experienced leader and some of these changes that we've seen Uh, with new talent coming on board to an organization. I'm, I'm very curious, and I know our listeners are as well probably, to understand, you know, how do you anticipate this affecting future event strategies or models, not just the people that are behind the scenes orchestrating, planning, and strategizing themselves?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I'll start by saying the new normal and specifically new industry best practices are yet to emerge and crystallize. Live events 2.0, as I've heard it termed and I I really like, um, is not yet here. So that puts us in a weird place right now because we're kind of finding our way through the dark and there's not a clear roadmap for, you know, what events what best-in-class events are going to look like in the future. So I think there are a number of dynamics that have converged right now to really drive this massive change, um, not to mention the pandemic. Um, but, but that list is so long, it's honestly more than we can discuss here. We could do a whole episode on it. But to name a few, lifestyle shifts that were driven by or prompted by the pandemic, general, generational makeup of today's workforce, the drive toward personalization that we've discussed and the increasing domination of e-commerce. Those are a few of the many converging factors that are driving this massive change and really pushing us toward a future that right now is, is fairly uncertain. Um, so I think the organizers on the leading edge that are embracing the fact that this new normal is really omnichannel much more than it has been in the history of, of the events industry, the events themselves are no longer the only or the primary way to reach audiences foster communities and connect buyers and sellers, they're going to become one moment or multiple moments in a year-round continuous ecosystem. So strategies should be built around that continuous ecosystem and the needs of the stakeholders um, should be at the center of how that ecosystem is designed. in order to build that strategy, I would recommend starting by asking a number of questions.
1: Okay, I need to. <laughs> I, I've been dying to know what these questions are because we've talked about this even before today.
3: The the list should be very long, but to name a few: um, What type of content will your attendees find valuable? How do your stakeholders want to be communicated with? Um, via what method? How how do they want to meet each other? How do they want to discover new products and services? Um, Again, just to name a few, but I think the answers to those questions and, and many more should really form the foundation of your strategy.
1: I could even see us taking those questions, putting that down on paper, and now you have a blueprint to help build a framework. And I think a lot of organizers, when they're you know even being faced with developing their first hybrid moment, their first hybrid program that their executives are wanting to bridge and connecting their virtual audiences, expanding into territories they've never thought possible or that they've been able to reach in former years, this type of structure and making sure that every single time we are doubling down on getting that information and making sure we're getting that buy-in, from your stakeholders. It is so important, and I've seen this time and time again, where you know if your stakeholders are not given the transparency and you're already off to the races on execution mode or sort of phase two of your event program, a lot of issues can arise as a result of that. Well, again, I'm just so grateful for the great uh, tips. And I, I would even say the validation that you've given a lot of our listeners and our viewers today. I mean, we all need more empathy and more conversation around some of these topics and just really be specific. Yes, we're living in a hybrid world. Yes, we're embracing new hybrid models. But that doesn't mean anything if it doesn't connect back to your objectives. And it's going to help you drive the outcomes, knowing the needs of your constituents. And as you pointed out, sir, so eloquently, it's not just the attendees, it's our speakers, it's our sponsors, it's everyone involved in making this event a moment in time, but also a moment that matters. So let's also have a little fun today and shake some things up. So I'd love, and again, it would not be the in-person podcast if I did not ask some of our favorite questions to all of our guests. And you know, one of the questions that I will start with, and Iran, I'm, I'm looking to you maybe for this one, is who is someone that you look up to in events or marketing or business in general?
2: Yes, I'll go for a cheesy one and maybe non-traditional, but one that I, I have to give a shout out to my two incredible partners. Alone and Boaz, I think they are rock stars. And, you know, I do think that they're pioneers in the event space. And working together with them in the last 10 years has just been a delight. And I'm so grateful for them. So that's a good opportunity. To, to give them a shout out for being incredible leaders in this industry.
1: I have to say, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> but I, again, I would, I would plus one on that as well. And shout out to Alone and Boaz. Uh, I know you're probably listening today and we're, we're so grateful for all of your leadership and support to bring Bizabo to the forefront of where it's at today. Megan, same question to you. Who is someone that just inspires you that you look up to?
3: I'll take the opportunity to give a shout out to a fantastic woman leader in the events industry, which is Janet Dell, who's the president and COO at the Freeman Company. She's an exceptional leader um, and someone that I had the opportunity to work under uh, for the last couple of years before joining Bizabo.
1: Yeah, I know Janet very well, and I would say that she is a true industry pioneer and you know, someone that has really helped to guide and shape the industry where it is today. Question number two, and Megan, maybe I'll start with you for this one. If you could give your earlier self a piece of advice, what would that be?
3: Work your network. Um, there has been so much job movement in the past year, especially in the events industry. I think there's never been a better time to be very intentional about staying connected as well as reconnecting with the people you already have in your network, you will undoubtedly hear about new things and possible career paths that you may never have thought about for yourself. It's just a world of opportunity right now.
1: So I want to be kind and rewind for a second. <laughs> and, and I want to I go back to your advice around staying connected to people and really, uh, you know, investing the time to build relationships in this industry with colleagues that we've worked with and and whatnot. Can you give us one tangible tip that we can walk away with from today that allows us to better stay connected to our industry?
3: Yeah. Leverage LinkedIn. I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's such a powerful tool and I think is universally adopted. So if you haven't already invested the time in connecting with people from your past, um, people that you're interested in meeting in the future, um, take the time to grow your network and then take the time to actually connect with them, to reach out. I think one of the most inspiring things about the events industry is the commitment that people generally have to supporting others and to really rising up um, other people's careers. So I think it's safe to say you will rarely get a rejection when you reach out and really ask for that connection, ask for that mentorship, um, ask for career guidance. People are typically very eager to help with that. So capitalize on the opportunity.
1: Well, I have to say you're you're inspiring me to channel my inner Josh Groban and lift people up where they are. Uh, Aran, over to you. Same question. What What is a piece of advice you would give your younger self? Surrounding yourself
2: with incredible people, hardworking, committed, passionate, positive thinkers, solutions-oriented, kind people. Because at the end of the day, that's what makes, you know, every day of our journey in, in, you know, doing incredible things and in our case, building incredible companies and innovation. And it really is all about those people uh, that make all of that happen. And if I may add, on a practical level, as you know, a leader that is hiring for new people uh, to bring into the organization, I would always uh, advise you to think about the, the person and their potential fit for the next two to five years in the organization, and not necessarily only what you need from them today. And I know that it's sometimes easier said than done, Uh, But I do recommend thinking about the skill set that those people are going to need to have uh, for the longer term, because you do want to have an organization or a team that is based on loyalty and kind of this long term uh, approach to their career and and knowing that they're going to be able to grow successfully and you're going to be able to mentor and coach them successfully into that role. Uh, of the future is something really important
1: that I learned in my experience and career. You couldn't be more true in terms of people are so important, and without the right people, none of this is possible. Absolutely. And the real takeaway I would sort of boil this down to is really the three Ps. Surround yourself with people that are purpose-driven, that are passionate, and that are always positive. Life is too short to work with people who do not love what they do every single day, Happiness is a choice, and I think that whole concept of just smiling and really being kind to one another, it is, again, it's never been more important. Well, again, it also wouldn't be the in-person podcast if I didn't throw in maybe a final bonus question. And if you all oblige, I'm really inspired by this topic and theme around self-care and really around mental health. As we've really talked about the importance of staying connected to our people, to investing in ourselves, Maybe a question that I'd also love to uh, ask each of you today is Do you have a self care tip or any sort of uh, example that you can share to maybe inspire those listening and viewing that they can maybe adopt into their daily lifestyle that might help them with maybe what they're going through right now or how they can be more kind and empathetic to others around them? Smile. Uh,
2: it sounds simple or I love maybe it. silly
1: but I'll try to explain. I think, you know,
2: uh, uh, mental health is all about a mindset and and, and your own mindset. And I do think that, you know, taking it, uh, this thing about smiling um, to a practical level and really practicing it uh, can really create that uh, mental mindset and, and kind of state of mind that you you not only put yourself in this positive mindset, it's also contagious and it creates this virtuous cycle and it affects everybody surrounding you. And, and that kind of feeds from one to another. Uh, and it's just, I've seen it so many times happening in the toughest of toughest moments that, uh, you know, a simple smile, a simple kind of positive approach uh, in milliseconds can solve an entire complex situation. And I do think that it's a real mental health kind of tip that I use a lot in practice. and practice. And every time that I see it, I'm kind of charmed and I think it's fantastic. So I would encourage everybody to smile uh, as much as they can. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but smile is one of our core values. It is one of our core values. We do have a, there's about eight core values. Uh, that we truly live by and culture is a big thing of, of what made this company what it is today. And for sure, the operating system, speaking of operating systems, the operating system of the organization itself. And, and We Smile is a big core value that I'm personally obsessed with and, and very proud of. And it doesn't just speak obviously about the physical smile, but the positive mindset that all of us need to come to every day and, and bring with us to every
1: situation that we're facing. Amazing. Megan What's your self-care tip?
3: Love the topic of self-care. Comes very naturally to me. The first thing for people who this maybe doesn't come as naturally to is, you know, give yourself permission to be a little selfish with time in your day. Because first of all, it's not selfish. It's absolutely necessary. I was just speaking to a colleague yesterday who's working from home for the first time over the last year, as many, many people are. That's a hard transition. And, you know, she was telling me, I just... I'm, not ta- I'm just working all the time. I'm not taking any time for myself. You have to force it. Work will consume you always if you let it. So let yourself be a little selfish. But I think putting that in really practical terms, um, routine and consistency are everything. So start small. Think about a single daily habit that would have a positive impact on your well-being, whether it's a 10-minute meditation, taking a short walk in the middle of your day, or my personal 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 favorite, always washing your face before bed, Um, but start with incorporating that single 10 minute activity and make sure you do it every single day.
1: I love that. And again, I'm happy to also maybe contribute a self-care tip so we can just add more to the, uh, to the listeners and the viewers today. I had the privilege of, uh, having a mentor in my career. And one thing that this really powerful, generous, uh, and really passionate leader that I worked with, she shared with me a very important lesson which she called the lesson of three. And what that really entails is she said, every morning I want you to wake up and I want you to write down the three things you have to accomplish for the day. We are overwhelmed with the amount of tasks and meetings and projects and the influx of email. So really give yourself permission to set those boundaries or parameters and write down those three things. And then I want you to do two additional things that equal the full three. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to invest in one activity or one thing a day that brings self-care or brings you happiness or joy. And the final is do something for someone else that brings them recognition or gives them the opportunity for self-care, whether it is calling someone, telling a loved one that you care for them, recognizing a colleague at work for some great performance, or again, just going above and beyond. And living that life of three, that rule of three, I'm telling you it has transformed the way that I have become a leader, the way that I have engaged in my personal life, my professional life, and I would highly encourage those listening and viewing today to take it for a test spin. <laughs> Love it. Love yeah. it, yeah, absolutely. Well, that is all the time we have today. I just wanna thank all of you for investing and listening to this 50th episode. This is an incredible milestone and we could not be more happy and privileged to bring this to you. I wanna thank my amazing hosts and guests, Iran uh, and Megan, thank you for the time. Thank you for the great insights, incredibly inspiring. And we will see you next time on the in-person podcast. Thank you so much. Be kind and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.
0: That's it for this one. Thank you for listening. As a reminder, you can learn more about the category of event experience at our November 16th event at 10 a.m. Eastern, the future of event experience. Visit events.bizbo.com eventx event X to sign up for free. You can also find a video recording of this discussion on the Visibo blog. If you enjoy listening to In Person, there are several ways that you can show your support: subscribe, rate, leave us a review, and share the show with your colleagues and friends. If you'd like to give us some feedback, please drop us a line at in-person@visibo.com. You can also find full transcripts of the show along with key takeaways at inpersonpodcast.com. In Person is a production of Bizabo. Today's episode was hosted by Devin Cleary, co-produced by Brandon Raffleson and myself, and edited by Brian Paik. Music by Ian O'Hara. Until next time, I'm Rachel Rappaport. Thanks for tuning in.